quality food to eat. We want the highest quality education for our children and for ourselves. We want quality time with friends, with our spouse, with our family. We know that quality counts, and we exert much effort to pursue it. But how often are we thinking about the quality of our faith? How often are we thinking to ourselves, I need to pursue the highest quality faith possible? And are we even considering or thinking, you know, what difference could that make? Right? High education for our children, that'll make a difference, right? High quality food, that'll make a difference in my health. What kind of high, what kind of difference can high quality faith make? This morning, Jesus has something to say about the quality of faith and the difference that it can make. So if you would open up your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. It'll be uh, displayed on on the screens. Uh, Like we said at the beginning, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the back that you are free to take, just as many as you want. Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. This is the word of God. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Let's pray to the Spirit this morning to open our eyes and our mind to the Word. Holy Spirit, we do ask that as we have heard your Word, you would Open our eyes and illuminate our hearts that we might see, believe, and trust Jesus more and glorify you all the days of our lives. We ask this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So in our previous passage, Jesus was away with Peter, James, and John. They were up on top of the mountain. You 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 probably remember last week, Bernie preaching. And on top of the mountain, Jesus was transfigured before them. He shone very bright. And on that mountain, uh, Moses and Elijah showed up. And they 
conversed with Christ. All of this, of course, pointing to the fact that Moses and Elijah, representing the law and the prophets, were finding their culmination and their fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And this is confirmed by the voice from heaven, the Father saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. But now it's time to come down. It's time to come down from the mountain. And as they're coming down, they're meted with they're met with meted. They're met with a crowd. There was a crowd gathered there. And here comes this man, kneeling before Jesus, clearly desperate. We read, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could do nothing to heal him. I don't know if you've ever seen someone had a seizure, have a seizure, or have had a seizure yourself. Um, it's pretty violent, right? The, the body just stiffens up, falls on the ground, and it just writhes uncontrollably. It's a frightening experience to watch this. And with this boy, it's really, really bad. It's bad because in some ways, these seizures almost have a, like, a level of intent. Right? He says he often falls into the fire and often falls into the water. It's almost like these, these seizures have an intent to put him in harm's way. And of course, when we get to verse 18, we realize that this is no mere health malady. This is a demon that is causing this. That this boy is possessed with a demon. And to make matters worse, the father brought his son to the other nine disciples, and they couldn't do anything to help him. Well, Jesus has dealt with this kind of thing before. Who better to go to? will go to Jesus. When he goes, Jesus speaks up. We read, And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation. This is kind of surprising, right? This man comes and he kneels before Jesus, and his response is to rebuke everyone standing there. Twisted and faithless generation. What's going on here? Well, the crowd are coming to Jesus with some messed up expectations. This generation is kind of a, a general it's a general term. He's sort of addressing just kind of everybody around at this point. And he's rebuking them for coming to him with the wrong expectations. Right? The crowd are probably on looking, right? They see, they, they probably watch Jesus, uh, not Jesus, sorry, the nine disciples try to heal this boy and they couldn't do it. So now Jesus has showed up and they're like, ooh, all right, yeah, let's see if Jesus can do it. Like, like some religious controversy, right? Just, just spectators on looking. They had a twisted and perverse attitude toward Christ. And he laments their wrong attitude, and exposes the vacuous nature 
of their regard for Jesus, spiritually twisting, treating Jesus as some kind of miracle machine, somebody who's just resolving religious controversy. They came to Jesus with faithless and perverse attitude and expectation. And we should be familiar with this. We see this often in the world right now, right? Like Jesus, he's a, he's a kind of miracle slot machine. Like, I'm going to come to him, be like, oh, Jesus, oh, man, oh, I really want, you know, want you to do this. Here, here we go. Am I going to get this? Right? Come to Jesus with that kind of faith. Or they come to Jesus because he's, a, he's their social activist. And this is on the left or the right. Treating Jesus like some figure who just stands for your political party. And you know what? Faith, we know we're winning, right? Because we got the right person in office. Jesus is really helping us now because we got the right person in office. Or maybe it's a faith that's regarding Jesus as just the next best thing. I've tried everything else. Yes, I'll try Jesus now. Or maybe it's just faith in faith, right? Have you ever heard somebody say that before? Just got to have faith. Contentless, nothing faith. Faith in faith. Just got to have faith. Things will work out. Or maybe it's merely intellectual. And I'm straight up calling myself out here. Right? I think that I have faith in Christ because I know a lot of things about him. But when push comes to shove, do I trust him? Or is it just mere intellectual assent? I have to be careful with that one. Friends, this is cheap faith. It's faithless and it's twisted. It's dangerous and it does damage because it focuses on everything other than what Christ purposes to do, what Christ promises to do. Cheap faith is no faith at all. And it is not the faith in which God delights to work. Jesus goes on to say, How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Right? This is like some prophetic frustration. Right? He's, we see the Lord or even the, a prophet in the Old Testament often lamenting right, the, the stubbornness and the deficiency of the people and their expectations of God. What else, what more was there for him to do with those who only expected trivial things from him? Paul Kretzman comments on this, and he says, he was weary of it all. He longed to be delivered of the dullness, the stupidity, the perverseness of this generation. But he was not unkind or ungracious. His words were a rebuke, not the peevish exclamation of a disappointed man. 
right? Jesus is saying something that they, they all needed to hear and is saying something we all need to hear. Do you see yourself as susceptible to a cheap faith, to coming to Christ with cheap expectations? So our motives and our desires are often messed up. Jesus rebuked the crowd because they needed to hear it. And right now their expectations of Christ missed the mark. They simply just didn't grasp what he came to the world to do. Jesus' mission involved a lot of healing, a lot of caring for people. We don't want to we don't want to skip over that point. We don't want to, in some senses, over-spiritualize and say those things don't matter. They do matter. But Jesus' ultimate mission was that he came to deal with another problem, the root problem, that Jesus came into the world to deal with sin. He came into the world to save sinners. He came to die. He came to rise. And he came to leave by ascending to his Father. If you're a Christian here today, this is your hope. This is the hope that Christ guarantees. This is a proper expectation of Christ, that he's going to save you from your sin when you come to him in faith. What a great opportunity for us to not only grab hold of what Christ actually came to do, but to confess the many cheap ways in which we come before him. To ask the Lord to reinforce in our hearts and our minds a faith that is not cheap, but one that is trusting and expectant of the things Christ came to do and promises to do. Amen? If you're here today and you do not know Jesus, if you're here today and you are not a Christian, saving faith is knowing, believing, and trusting that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Indeed, that he came into the world to save my sin and to cling on to him as your only hope. Because without him, what can you expect? The good, just wrath of a holy God. But if you come to Jesus in faith, he will be gracious to you. Christ does not rebuke those who come to him in faith for the salvation of sins. Amen? Though Jesus laments their cheap faith, he is still good. He is still good. The father came to him with his son because he had nowhere else to go. He, he was optionless. He begged mercy. And Christ is not short in being merciful to those who needed him most. Driven to this end, the father went to Christ and Christ granted his request. We read, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the boy 
was healed instantly. What contrast between the faithlessness of everyone there and the power of Christ to work despite that. We can open that. We can confess that, that Christ was working even in despite of our tendencies to come to him cheaply. He is still good, better than we deserve. Friends, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to Jesus coming to him with right expectations, coming to him with his promise to for his promises, for his purposes, when it comes to Jesus, faith counts. Faith counts. We read in verse 19, move on. We read, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Right, this is a this is a good question. Because back in chapter 10, Jesus commissioned the disciples to go out and to to have power uh, over unclean spirits, to have power to heal. But there's some reason for this failure. They come to this moment and they can't do it. So it's a good question. Lord, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus says to them, because of your little faith. Now, this isn't the first time that Jesus has kind of revealed to them that they've had little faith, right? The, the first time he does this, they're on the boat with Jesus in the storm. And they're freaking out, right? And they wake him up. And they're like, Lord, save us. Oh, my gosh. And he's just like, oh, you of little faith. And he calms the storm. And he also says it to the disciples with the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. When they're like, where's this food going to come from? He says, you of little faith. And the other time when they're on the boat, two instances of the boat, two instances of feeding with an incredibly large group of people. The other time on the boat, when Jesus is walking on the water and Peter comes out to him and he begins to sink. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? In all of these instances, the disciples were doubting whether Jesus could really help them in any substantial way. They were slow his power to work. So when we come to our passage here, we have to ask, why was their faith so little? Well, we have to kind of clarify, we have to make a distinction. What kind of faith is Jesus talking about? He's not talking about saving faith. He's not talking about the faith that is the instrument through which we are saved in Christ. No. He's talking about faith that is always looking back to God's promises and how he's provided and anticipating that God's going to continue to work, expecting God's continual work. So little faith. Little faith in what? I think we have to say that it's little faith in what Christ had previously commissioned them to do, right? In some way, we're not told all the details. In some way, their unbelief 
inhibited their bringing about this miraculous healing. We can all have weak faith like this, can't we? Doubt that God is going to work even when he promises and purposes to work. Right? We Sometimes we doubt that God's going to provide even though he said he's going to provide. We doubt God's goodness in suffering because we think the circumstances outpace his nature and his character. We doubt when we don't tell our unbelieving friends, families, and neighbors the gospel because really we doubt that he's going to save that person even though he saved people like us. We doubt that Christian community, that life in the church together, is really going to make a difference. We think that there's something better in private, something better to be found in private, even though God says that it's in the assembled body that he meets with us, that we, in this place, enjoy his presence and receive his graces. Where in your life do you doubt in God's promises and powerful provision? This is the nature of little faith, doubting God's promises and powerful provision. Man, let's recognize it. Let's call it out. And let's pursue a quality faith. Jesus goes on to tell us the nature of quality faith. For truly, I, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. This was the mustard seed is a common proverbial statement about re- referring to the smallest thing, right? We even see the kingdom parables, the the mustard seed and the leaven, the smallest thing, seemingly insignificant. You don't really expect much from it. And it's odd because Jesus has said, because of your little faith. But if you have faith like a mustard seed, and a mustard seed is very little. So in some senses, he's probably saying that your faith is even smaller than that. Because if you had faith even like that, you can move mountains. You could do the impossible. It's faith like this that's capable of that. Now, to pause, you could imagine how these words could be totally misused. And used to support something not good. Right? (laughs) Just believe hard enough. Right? Believe hard enough. And you can achieve great things. Thanks, man. If you have enough faith, you can make it happen. You want riches? Nothing's impossible when you got faith. Right? Nothing is impossible for me. 
and I have this kind of faith, I could do anything. Right? We treat people treat faith like a like a kind of commodity. Right? If I have enough money, I could buy the TV. If I have enough faith, I can move that mountain. Fortunately, this is twisted and distorted. It is very true that nothing will be impossible for someone with faith of this quality. But it does not involve having enough of it. And also, it has nothing to do with God granting us just any whim that we have. Any desire that we bring to him. No. Quality faith has as its object the God who promises and is powerful and has as its goal those things which align with God's will. The power of this small, seemingly insignificant faith is found first and foremost not in ourselves, but in God. This small faith is powerful because God is powerful, not because our exercising of it is powerful. Brothers and sisters, we have no reason to second guess or doubt that God is working toward his own purposes in the world and that he works through faith that rests in his power and his promises. We might not get it always, right? We might say to ourselves, God, I don't have all the pieces to this puzzle, but I'm just trusting you because you say this is good and this is right. In faith, I'm going to share Jesus even though I'm afraid of how others might react. Because I know God can do the impossible and save them. In faith, I'm going to go to my job and get up and go to work, even though I'm tired. Because God can do the impossible and just give me strength to work for his glory and for the benefit of those around me. Even when money is tight, in faith, I want to be generous because God delights in a cheerful giver and he can do the impossible and provide for all that I need even if I don't see how all those things fit together. It's hard to capture this idea. But I think when we see it, we immediately recognize it. And I can't help but think right now our sister Carolyn, who just passed away this year. She could face the mountainous task of dying with hope. With so much hope. Like the world doesn't understand this. What hope is there in dying? And yet, the week before she dies, she's singing. She had so much hope. She could move that mountain of dying with hope because her faith is in a powerful God 
and his promises. Amen? Man, we might even think of the many missionaries who went out into the world to face a seemingly impossible task of preaching the gospel in a place where the gospel was not. And Maisie often brings up this story, but it's so appropriate of Adoniram Judson to the the people in Burma, modern-day Myanmar. When he was in a Burmese prison, somebody asked him, what hope do you have for Burma after all of this tragedy? And he responded, the future is as bright as the promises of God. That's quality faith. And honestly, right now, we're stepping into a, the next season, right? And planting a church. We're all gathered in the same place here this week, which I'm so grateful for. So grateful to see so many of you. I'm going to miss you intensely. But we're planting a, a church. Why? Because we know God wants there to be more churches. Because the church is the instrument through which the gospel goes out into the world, through which God extends his reign, his rule, through which he brings people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why we're planting a church. But in our modern era, that's, it's weird. Church people like amassing groups of people not cutting a third out of them and sending them somewhere else, right? Like, what's going to happen? Where are the people going to come from? Where are the resources going to come from for Covenant Church? And honestly, as, as we here at Reno are in some senses experiencing the same thing, where are the resources going to come from? Where are the people going to come from? Lord, how are you going to do this? In faith, though, what can we expect? We can expect God's going to be good, that he's going to powerfully work. We hope that he's going to bless these efforts that Renovation Church and Covenant Church, maybe someday we'll celebrate 100-year anniversaries in these cities. So much bigger than us, right? What are we, year eight right now? Man, I wonder what a year 108 will look like. We can expect and hope that God will work in these things. We want, in this season of planting a church and really replanting a church, to have quality faith in a powerful God. Amen? When we pursue that which pleases God, we can have faith that surmounts the insurmountable, that does the impossible. Why? Because a quality faith is powerful because its object is a powerful God. And it's the core of its desire is to see God fulfill his purposes and his promises. That's quality faith. God's power and promises are enough for us. Amen.
What more could we want? What more are we desiring in this life? Let's have a quality faith in the Lord. Let's expect from him the things that he says he's going to do. Let's hope for good things. Amen? When it comes to Jesus, faith counts. When it comes to faith, quality counts. Let's pray. Lord God, we do come to you in Jesus' name. And God, we do confess that our faith is often weak. Sometimes it's cheap. But, oh Lord, we know who you are. And we know that you will sanctify us. God, give us the, this kind of faith, this faith that Jesus talks about. By your spirit, strengthen us and enliven us to this. That you, for your glory, might work. God, we ask all of these things for the glory of your name. We pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It's in this time that the people of God have the privilege of celebrating the Lord's Supper together.